Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You are in the right place at the right moment this morning, my friend. I want to validate somebody wondering if this is where I'm supposed to be today. The answer is yes. Because I got a word from God for you and for this church. Maybe you say, well, I'm not from this church, but today you're in this church. And I'm going to preach to the hearers. I'm going to preach to the body of Christ. I'm going to preach to the attendees this morning. God has given me a word for this church, and I'm happy to be here in the pulpit this morning. God bless all of you for being here. Amen. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice. I will show up and be glad in it. Can you say amen? Praise God. Praise God. Before I preach to you, let me just say one thing, then I'm going to segue right into my message. I do, my daughter's already mentioned it, but I do want to reiterate, this Wednesday is real church, okay? We'll be worshiping, we'll be praying for the sick, I'll be preaching a real message, we'll have undertones of thank you, but we have church this Wednesday. I just, it's been said, but as a pastor, let me just tell you, I'm studying to preach to the church this Wednesday. And we're going to worship, we're going to pray for you, we're going to anoint you with oil, and we're going to hear from God. So just help me here with that. Uh, Psalms chapter 95. What a great, wonderful group of people I see here this morning. God bless you. We are glad that you are here. Amen. For without you, we would have no church. We would have only a building and suites, and that would not be fun but it's the people of God that make serving God enjoyable and the power. Psalms chapter 95. Praise God. And the Bible reads, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Verse 2, Let us come before Him with thanksgiving. And exalt him with music and song. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. I want to preach to you this morning about this subject matter, this message that God gave me for us today, and it's simply this make some noise. Make some noise. Heavenly Father, hallelujah. I stand humbly and ready to be used by the Holy Ghost today. My heart is pure. My spirit is right. I'm excited, God, to be a conduit, that the spirit would flow into your people's hearts and minds, that would flow into their situations, that they would hear a clear, pristine, rhema word from God today. Lord, let there be no distractions. We sit very quietly. We sit very still. No movement around in your presence, God. We respect you. And you speak into our hearts. Let this prayer be so. And if you receive that, would you shout amen? amen? Amen. God bless you this morning for standing. You may be seated. Praise God. Make some noise. As I was putting the polishing touches on my message this morning, I got this thought and kind of begin to edit it. And it was a thought about in football. When you're playing in the opponent's stadium... They have what is called the home field advantage. At times on the screen, they'll flash the words, make some noise, get loud, do something. 
They flashed the words to rally the home crowd, to rally the home field advantage, to change the atmosphere or the vibe that's in the stadium. Its purpose is to distract the opposing team because it's deafening. My son and I and my son-in-law, a couple of years ago, we were in Kansas City and we toured the Chiefs stadium. And I know they're probably getting ready to play right now, but we toured the stadium just as a tourist. Took us behind the scenes to the locker rooms, took us out onto the field, and it was amazing. And the guy there, the employee, took us to the 50-yard line of the Chiefs Stadium. It's called the Chiefs Kingdom uh, there in Kansas City. And he said, this is, as far as the decibel levels in the NFL, this is the loudest stadium in the league. You can stand here, and the crowd is deafening. The opposing team cannot hear the audibles. They come to the line of scrimmage. They can't hear what the quarterback's calling. You might come up and say, blue 32, blue 32, Omaha, Omaha. And they can't hear, and they don't know what the play is going on. And so you'll understand this in a couple weeks on Super Bowl Sunday. But it, it's just it's deafening. And, and, and he said this. He goes, I want you to stand on the 50-yard line. There was about 12 of us. Three of them was my family. And he said, I want you to shout, Kansas City Chiefs. So we, he goes, one, two. Three, Kansas City Chiefs, and you hear it, wah, 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 kind of going all the way up from the funnel, and we're on the 50-yard line. He goes, you see how loud it sounds, and we're just 12 of us. Can you imagine when we're here with the Chiefs' kingdom is playing, and we are chanting for our team, and we flash on the screens, get loud, make some noise. The purpose is to distract the opposing team. So when the quarterback steps to the line of scrimmage to call his audibles, he has to go into what is called a silent, uh, silent snap count. They've got to have things already planned. So if you're in an opposing stadium and you are on the line of scrimmage, when you come up, you can't hear the quarterback's call. He goes to a silent snap count because they still have to function. They have to work through the screaming and the noise. And so henceforth, my message this morning is make some noise. In the Hebrew, there is something that is called a rashon, which means a noise maker. There's one on the screen. But it's commonly more known as a grogger. This is something that makes noise. And in the Hebrew, they called it a rashon, which they used it to make noise. Why don't you take a look at the, the screen? The Jewish holiday of Purim starts tonight. It commemorates the, sa the saving of the Jewish people in the ancient Persian Empire. And News 12 Brooklyn's Dana Arshin tells us how one local artist is gearing up for the big night in this Best of Brooklyn report. If you've never heard that sound before, let me introduce you to the grogger. The first step really is I decide how loud I'm making the grogger, which really comes down to the thickness of the wood that I'm using for the clacking mechanism. Sculptor Alex Aronoff started making them last year. A grogger is a noisemaker that Jewish people use to celebrate the holiday of Purim, which starts tonight. So this is actually the table um, from Masbia, and what I did was I used this to make the body of the grogger, which you see here. What's unique about these groggers is that they're made from recycled wood from tables at Masbia's soup kitchen in Flatbush. Some proceeds from the grogger sales will go back to Masbia. It had a life beforehand, you know, so it's really cool when you find out that like, this used to be a table, and now it has like a completely different life now. 
If you're celebrating Purim, you may know that it's most common to have a grogger that's plastic or metal. But if that's the case, Alex says you are doing it all wrong. He says wood is the way to go. He also says the larger the grogger, the louder. So I'm going to test them out. Here is the smaller one. Pretty loud. All right, here is the larger one. This is definitely the winner. Here in Midwood, Dana Arshin, News 12, Brooklyn. We're talking about the Feast of Purim, the Grogger. It has a very unique and specific purpose. The Feast of Purim is a Jewish holiday in celebration of the deliverance of the Jews as recorded in the book of Esther. It is also known as the Feast of Lots or Purim being the Hebrew word from Lots. In the book of Esther, Haman, the prime minister to the Persian king of Artaxerxes, was insulted by the Jewish leader Mordecai, giving you the backstory here, who refused to bow to Haman. Haman convinces the king that all Jews are rebellious and must be destroyed and set the date to genocide them. Haman uses the lots or the Purim. You see, during the Feast of Purims, when the name Haman, the man who tried to exterminate the Jewish people in ancient Persia was read, the grogger was twirled. Haman would be like an Old Testament Hitler trying to exterminate all the Jewish people. And when his name was read, they would twirl the grogger and they would twirl this thing to make a loud grinding noise which ensues. By using the grogger, they would uh, drown out the name of Haman. Why? Because the name of Haman was something that produces evil. When they thought of that name, the Jewish people would think of evil. It would be like light trying to overcome darkness. Not pointing to the darkness, but trying to overcome it was something that would drown out darkness. What drowns out darkness is light, a flashlight, a candle, a match. And so when they would hear the name Haman back in the Old Testament, as they show there the grogger, they would begin to spin that around because at some point God delivered the Jewish people. And it's called a celebration or a feast of Purim where they would celebrate of where God brought them from. They used to be in oppression. They used to be in depression. They used to be in captivity. But thank God, God delivered his people. And when things would begin to bother them or they would hear the voice of Haman, or the name of Haman, they would pick up that grogger and they would begin to spin it to drown out the public announcement, to drown out the announcement or the news, and something within them begin to rise above the evil name of Haman. And so I'm preaching to you this morning about make some noise. I understand that we are living and walking and we are trying to live for God, but there are distractions, there are voices, there are things that take place in our life and our world that tries to distract us away from our walk with God and the call of God on our life. Haman is a symbol of evil. And so I asked this morning, how do I do these things and overcome evil? How do I overcome worldly spirits? How do I overcome hurt in my life? How do I overcome sin? How do you overcome anger? How do we overcome disappointment? I fight back with my spiritual grogger, my personal Purim, where God has delivered me and he has filled me with his spirit and he has earmarked me to walk in holiness and not in worldliness and he has earmarked the church to be holy in an unholy world. How is this possible this morning? By the infilling of the power of God's spirit. Can you shout amen? So this is how I overcome, by fighting back. 
Someone hurts you and you hurt them back. Someone hates you. You hate them back. You become bitter over what they did. Is this how we overcome evil? I shout back no. This is how we echo evil and perpetuate it. We keep it going. All you're doing is repeating the name of Haman when that happens. When something happens to you and you fight back that way. But the grogger holds the secret to my victory. So when someone sins against me, what do I do? I use the grogger. Yes, that is the correct answer. The answer to sin is not sin, but the presence of God. Somebody hear me this morning. The spirit of God drowns out sin. The spirit of God drowns out temptation. The spirit spirit of God drowns out evil voices. And so I'm not fighting back with evil voices, but I'm fighting back with a grogger of the spirit of God that he has placed in my heart and in my soul. Can we say amen? Amen. So yeah, the secret is the grogger. A kind of a strange, unique wooden instrument. I think to the untrained eye and ear, to the layman, to the apprentice, to the rookie, that laying somewhere in someone's house will be an odd item to describe. But to the born-again believer in the church of God, we understand the value of a little instrument of a grogger. It's not the wood itself. It's not the makeup and the chemistry of what is in it. But it's the value of a remembrance of what God did for his people. Understand, Haman was an evil name. My opinion, Old Testament Hitler trying to get rid of the Jews. And so, so they had to have something that when this came over the broadcast system, when this became in the media back then in the days, and when they began to communicate this, they had to get their mind back on the goodness of God and not be distracted by the evil voices that were coming against them. Yes, the evil voices wanted to take them down and the evil doings of men wanted to bring them down. But somewhere in a household, there was a dad that said, come on, honey, come on, bring the kids in. We're going to give God some praise and some honor. I don't know what's happening outside of this home. I can control the atmosphere of our home. I can control what's happening to us. And we're going to pick up our spiritual grogger and we're going to have a feast of Purim right here in our home. So yeah, the voices continue to go and come and the opposition. And we already understand we preached before that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. I understand that. But when I'm leading my family and when I'm leading myself and I'm still trying to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh, what about those days, Brother Tony, that you're by yourself and you don't have the great praise team? You don't have the talented Brother John on the keyboard to whip us into a frenzy and shout down and cut a rug somewhere. When I'm all by myself and I'm not feeling good, I turn around and I find my proverbial grogger and I begin to give God some praise. I begin to focus on what God's doing. I begin Begin to realize how powerful God is because I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What are you doing? I'm fighting against the battle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. And so that's why I simply say to you today, make some noise. We don't like to play in the opponent's stadium. Not everybody is a football fan, I understand that. Not everybody is a sports fanatic. But in the sports field, 
regardless of sport, the home field advantage, the home court, the home stadium is by far an advantage. It's the momentum. They're coming into our stadium. They're coming into our home. They're coming into my backyard. You're coming into my house. We don't put up with this in this house. Not in this house we don't do that. And they stand their ground and they fight for the playoffs and they fight for the win. Why? Because they have the home field advantage. The crowd is on their side. The deafening noise in the chief stadium. It was amazing how much noise and the echo that 12 of us could make when we shouted Kansas City Chiefs. And I realized, and they're playing, I think they start at noon today uh, there against the Tennessee Titans. And that's not my point to leave here early and go watch the game. But my I got to clarify that because I know some of you. You're not all like that, but there's a few of you sitting out there. Hey, where are you going? I'm going to watch the game. Sit down. And watch the 49er game at 3 or 4 o'clock. I'll be done preaching by then. But here's the thing. The home field advantage is key. And the higher up in the brackets you place with a better record, you get home field advantage the other team that has a less record has to, what they call, they go on the road and they travel. You're not at home. And so at times the enemy tries to get us out of balance. When we were maybe we're not in the house. See, we're in our home stadium right now. I mean, they were singing that song, what the song, In the Name of Jesus. There's power in the name. There's blessings in the name. There's whatever in the name. There's tacos in the name. There's, I mean, there's Mexican f- food in the name of Jesus. Homemade tortillas in the name. I mean, it, I, mean, it, I mean, it works with anything. Just try it at home. And we're in our home field, and I'm feeling good, you know. And I'm feeling, hey, I can take on anything. Why? Because I'm in the home field advantage. I hear the home crowd singing. I, I, hear, I hear them leading us into a, a, a position of worship. Hey, no weapon formed against me. We're in your home field. And when it's rocking, my friend, I'm telling you, nothing hurts in the presence of God. Nothing hurts. No weapon formed against us. I feel powerful. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. What are we doing? This is our home field advantage. That's why you cannot be absent when we gather together in our own stadium, giving God some praise. You might hurt on a Thursday and a Friday, but that's in the opponent's field. You may hurt in the doctor's office or the report, but that's in the opponent's field. But you got to get down to the house of God and say, you know what? Hey, this is my house. This is God's house. No weapon formed against my marriage. No weapon formed against my spirit. Come on, you can't touch me in this house. What am I doing? I've got the home field advantage. And if God's on my side, nobody can be against me. Woo! Make some noise in this house. And they begin to crank it up. And you see all these blundered plays of the opposing team when they have the silent snap count. Now someone's on offsides, someone's in illegal motion, somebody's moving, there's a penalty, illegal motion, five-yard penalty, and they try to draw. All this stuff happens in the stadium. And I got to thinking about all this, Brother Don. You know, that's kind of like our walk with God sometimes. You go onto the job, you get into the break room. You, you're in the opposing stadium. God's not prevalent in some of those situations, and that's not the atmosphere that God dwells in. But you are a child of the king, and you said, hey, you know what? Even though I cannot hear the choir sing, even though I cannot hear Brother John play that keyboard, even though I don't hear the drum beat that against with God's people, somewhere I'm stepping to the line of scrimmage with a silent snap count say, hey, I know what God did for me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What are you doing? I got a silent snap count going. I hear the deafening noise. 
noise. I hear the distractions. Things are coming against me. I don't have a church service to get into, so I got to step to the line of scrimmage, and I still got to move this thing forward, even though the crowd is against me. Woo! So my personal grogger brings forth praise. What do we sing the song? There's not very many words to it, but we sing it over and over. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. It's my grogger. I'm fighting. I'm fighting. I'm moving forward. I'm overcoming despair, and I'm bringing forth hope. I'm overcoming hatred, and I'm bringing forth love. I'm overcoming that negative, and I'm bringing forth a positive. What am I doing? I'm overcoming the sound of darkness, and I'm bringing forth the sound of light. By doing so, I'm drowning out the influences. I'm drowning out these forces. I'm drowning out. Hello, somebody. Come on, make some noise in the house. Let's give God some praise. Put your hands together. Let's practice. Come on, someone shout unto the Lord in the voice of triumph. Woo! Yes! Come on, make some noise in the house. Yes, in the name of Jesus, all things are possible. Yes, in the name of Jesus, I am victorious. Yes, in the name of Jesus, I am a winner. Yes, in the name of Jesus, I'm moving forward. Hey! Woo! Hallelujah! Yes. No matter what happens, we're going to win. There have been a lot of upsets in professional sports of people coming from behind. Hey, the game's not over yet. The game's over when you're dead. You're still in the game. You're still playing ball. You're still on the field. You're still on the court. You're still in the stadium. But today, you're in your home stadium. You look around, we've got other people chanting and worshiping and believing God. Hey, when you get to the stadium, hey, something kicks in. It's something is just so energizing. It was last March, my son-in-law and my son and I, we, we, we splurged and spent the money and traveled to Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota to attend the Final Four Championship of college basketball. You guys are kind of like my wife, you don't even care. I was waiting for a whoo. The only one that my son-in-law said, you're right. <laughs> but let me tell you something. Brother, Brother Mark's dad's here. Brother Don was there. We were in the Viking Stadium, okay? They flash on the screen. There was like seventy three or 74,000 people there. College basketball. And that place was electrifying. I mean, it was, what I say, it was rocking. You know, if you're going to be in the Midwest, you're going to yeah, man, this place is rocking, man. Gonna go get me a Mountain Dew, I'll be right back. This place is rocking. And it was rocking, man, I'm serious. Get us some little cheese curds down there, you know, got to do like they do. But it was electrifying. I'm kind of, someone asked me the other day, go, are you a sports fan? You know, I'm interested in the NBA in the month of April, which is playoffs, and I'm interested in college basketball in the month of March. And I follow football the last couple of weeks of January and the first Sunday in February. And then I'm good. And then I follow baseball in October. You get it? Okay. I don't want to waste all the, okay, all the little penny ante stuff, the little games. No, I want, the, I want the big stuff. So we saved our money. 
and we saved our money, and we saved our money, and we saved our money, and we finally got enough to go to the final four. And there, I mean, there's thousands of people. And you walk in, and man, the, the Viking Stadium was only about two years old, Don, or two or three years old. I and mean, this place is amazing. And the sound system, I was like, man, Brother Frank would just flip out in this place, man. <laughs> Pastor, we need this in our church. Yes, we do, but we can't afford it. We need the stadium for the church, but we can't afford that either. And, and it was just so electrifying. And man, you just find yourself just like, you know, you're kind of getting sucked into the energy, Brother Foster. But it, it was a stadium where people were there to rally for their team. It was a neutral stadium in this case. But, le, but let me go back to make some noise. I understand we have church a couple days a week. And then we have a connect group. And then we have church on Sunday. And we have a couple of choices on Sunday morning. But most of the time, when you kind of break it down mathematically, we're not in church most of the time during the week. But we still got to live for God 24-7. So how do I resolve? Come on, somebody. Let me preach for a minute. How do I resolve in my spirit that I can live for God on a Tuesday night? when I can't get a hold of anybody in the church? How do I live for God on a Thursday morning when I get some news and things aren't going good? How do I live for God on a Friday day during the day when things at work aren't going good? You know what? I'm in the opposing stadium and this noise is deafening and the voices are coming against me and the synergy and the energy is coming against me, but I'm still a child of God. I'm going to stand up and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Yes, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. No tongue formed against me shall prosper. What am I doing? I'm coming to the audible count here. And yes, we're going to score and I'm going to win and I'm still going to be a Christian and I'm still going to be holy. Oh, come on. Somebody make some noise. Put your hands together. Woo! Hey! We're sitting in the stadium there and I'll get off this in a minute. And there's these three people behind us at the final four. Their team was Texas. And they were playing, I think it was a Virginia, Virginia Tech. And they were just cutting up and making, they were doing their own little commentary to the announcements, you know. And, they, and in some way they started getting your attention. And they're rooting for their team and they're shouting out stuff. And we hear, I hear I'm sorry, but I heard them shout some cuss words. I remember, I wasn't in my own stadium, right? I don't hear that in the church, I hope. <laughs> I heard some cuss words, and, and then I, I look at the corner of my eye, and a couple of brewskis drinking on this stuff. I'm not in my own stadium. And they're like saying all these things, and then they said some stuff that was normal that I could have, would have said, and that was kind of funny. And then the one guy shoots one from the three-point, and it, and it hits the rim, and it just kind of goes, boop, and falls off. And these, remember, we're in a different stadium, right? We're not, we're not in church. We're not, I'm not at the NAYC. I'm not at General Conference. And I hear this guy behind me go, boink, not today, Satan. <laughs> and I turn to Mark and try to go, show you. He go, boink, not today, Satan. Because the guy did miss, it was like perfect timing, and I thought, this is the same guy that's saying all these, dropping these, you know what, bombs. <laughs> but again, I'm not in my stadium. But here, I can still live for God. Why? Because I know that God has earmarked me. And the crowd could be deafening. 
And you could be facing something in your life, and maybe it's not a crowd, but it's a lab result that's deafening. It's a doctor's report that's deafening. It's a CT scan that's deafening. It's, it's a job pink slip that's deafening. Something's kind of encroaching upon you, and you can't think, and you're losing your sight, and your vision is blurred. You say, you know what? I thought I was a child of the king. I realize I'm not at my own stadium, but I'm not going down. I'm not losing. I'm standing up. I'm calling for prayer. I'm coming on a Friday night. I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. Why? Because I know if greater is he that is in me than no weapon formed against me. I can win in any stadium. I can win in any situation. Woo! Come on, somebody. Let's make some noise in this house. Give him some praise. Hey! Hey! You watch one of the games today. They're playing at the at Levi Stadium. Okay, the disadvantage goes to who's playing the 49ers? Green Bay. Green Bay. I don't like Green Bay anyway, so I hope they lose. <laughs> they get on my nerves. Don, is that fair to say? Vikings, Minnesota fans sitting in the house. It's a rivalry. Anyway, Aaron Rodgers, I hope you lose. But the crowd against... Minnesota is the advantage for the 49ers. I know. I've stood on the 50-yard line. The poor Tennessee Titans is going to be deafening when they step to the line of scrimmage. But watch this, okay? Green Bay and the 49ers are going into that stadium, and in their mind, I'm winning. Why board the plane if you're not going to win? So both teams intend to win. But there are little bitty subtle things during the game. The home field advantage. You look up and all you see is Kansas City Chiefs kingdom stuff. You see gold and red. You look up and all you see are the 49ers, uh, gold and red and 49. And you see all the logos and all the advertisements and all this. And psychologically, somehow that might play on the opposing team. And that's the purpose of home field advantage. But I want to preach to somebody here this morning. You might step into a stadium of life. You know what? This is not where I feel good. This is not the situation I was raised for. But I'm here. Why? Because I work here. I didn't pick those employees. I didn't pick this boss. I live in this neighborhood. I didn't pick this. I didn't pick that. I didn't ask for that. I didn't invite this into my home. This happened. Life unfolded, et cetera, et cetera. But you know what? I'm still coming on a Wednesday, and I'm still coming on a Sunday, and I'm going to get back to the house of God. Why? Because I need home-filled advantage. I need some validation. I need some assurance that I'm not the only person trying to live for God. I'm not the only person trying to move forward. I'm not the only person in a battle. Why? I realize when I'm in the presence of God, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Hey! Ha! Yeah! And so Romans, Paul says, be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, Romans 12, 21. So here's what I got to do. I have to learn the secret of the grogger to drown out my Haman. You can't overcome sin by focusing on sin. You got to do something. You can't overcome pain by focusing on pain. You got to do something. 
You can't overcome hurt by focusing on hurt. And so this morning, you learn the secret of the grogger and the value and the purpose of that and why we are here today in the value. Let me just reiterate this. I'm repeating myself. We need the house of God. I need to be at church on Sunday. I've got to sign up for a connect group. I've got to be here Wednesday. Why? Because I'm being fueled by the home field advantage and the presence of God and the spirit of God. Those praises go forth. It it marinates into my situation. It trickles down. It's a drip feed into my problems. And somewhere in the context that I'm a child of God and God cares and he saved me and he died on a cross and he went to Calvary. Somewhere in the context of that relationship when I get in the presence of God I realize how powerful I am as a child of God and I don't get that outside the presence of God Woo! so learn the secret of the grogger and drown out your Haman so you have to ask yourself the question this morning what problem, evil, or wrongdoing am I dealing with? Okay. Remember, the Feast of Purim, it was a feast of celebration out from under the Old Testament Hitler, Haman. So what problem I submit to you this morning, evil or wrongdoing, are you dealing with? My message would be don't dwell on it. Don't react. Rather dwell on the opposite. We overcome darkness with light. The grogger is a weapon to drown out the enemy's voice. The grogger is a weapon to drown out temptation. Oppression, iniquity, bad influences. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 61 penned the words, Provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, number one. The oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a, instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, I'm still quoting, a planting of the Lord for the display of His glory. You see, the attack isn't really on me or you. It's on the church of God. You see, I don't necessarily want Aaron Rodgers to fail I want the whole team to lose. So it's not, it's, him and I have nothing going on. It's not personal. He happens to quarterback the team that they all need to lose. So when I realize that the attack is not me personally, God went to Calvary. He's mad about that. I happen to represent Church of the Living God. And so at times, Brother Chavez, that I feel like it's being personal or maybe I'm taking it personal, Brother Blair, I'm reaching for my grogger. 
Brother Foster, it's a memorial celebration of what God did. You know what I do sometimes? You reach back in there and you think of something that God did for you. It's a celebration, a moving forward, a memorial. As if God's ever healed you, if God's ever blessed you, if God's ever, and you think about that, this is what I do. Come and let you a little insight on a pastor's brain. I think about what God has done, and then I get my grogger, and I grind out the oppressive voices that try to overtake my past victories. And the grinding sound is hideous. The grinding sound is annoying. But it's part of my process to go back in time where God delivered me from the snare of the enemy. I wonder, as David went down to kill Goliath, did he pick up his little proverbial grogger, Sister Rosa? You know what? I killed a bear one day. David, put that down. I killed a lion one day. I'm going to kill a giant today. No, you're not. Put it down here. Put on my armor. You're a little pipsqueak punk. You're too little. Go back to dad. We got our lunch. Get out of here. Saul says, put on my armor. And David basically says, a slingshot? You can't do a big giant. How about That's what he did. Well, we know the story. Now it's easy. It's history, right? Well, it wasn't easy for him that day. Somewhere, Brother Stansberry, in the back of his brain, hey, been here before. You've been down to that hospital before. You've parked in that park lot before. You don't need a map. You don't know where to, need to worry where you're going. You don't know what button to push to get. You don't have to look at a, a directory. What floor do I need to report to? You've been there, but you've killed that bear and you've killed that lion. Oh, is it normal? That's going to be open. Hey, hey, hey. Brrr. Hello? What am I doing? I'm just making some noise because I don't want to hear what they have to say. And so somebody needs to hear me this morning. You need to pick up the Feast of Purim and celebrate. What am I supposed to celebrate? Find something God's already done for you. Come on, you need me to find it for you? I can. Find something God's done for you. I, well, I don't go to church here. Has God ever? No, we're not talking about church. We're talking about what God has done for you. We're not talking about membership here. I gotta win this battle. This is how I fight my battles. Really? Is it just a song? That's lame. No, 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 no. It's a grogger in my spirit. This is how I fight my. And to the untrained ear and the untrained eye and the unsafe person, it's going to be like us parents that buy our little kids toys for Christmas and then they, get, they bug us about two weeks later. Shut that thing off. <laughs> Honey, take the batteries out and throw them in the trash. That thing's driving me nuts. Who would buy that for our kids? Huh? 
It's an annoying, it's what I call noise pollution. Huh? But here's the thing. It's not noise to the little kid, right? It enhances the experience of the toy. But if I'm not engaged in that toy, Corey, Corey, it's annoying. God, Erica, who bought that for them? Dear God, throw it in the trash. Tell them we'll give them back their money. Don't ever buy our kids stuff like this anymore. Buy them books, buy them quiet stuff, pillows, stuffed animals, right? Blankets. If it makes noise, don't bring it here. But here's the thing. All the cool gadgets make noise to the person that's engaging. So what's my grogger? What am I dealing with? What am I up against that I just need to understand? I got to make some noise. Could you stand with me this morning? I got to end. You see, it's a time of celebration. Listen to me. Let, me. let me read an excerpt I pulled. Jewish towns and families who experience miraculous deliverance from persecution have been known to enact their own annual celebration. I'm reading called a local Purim or a personal Purim. Often Jewish and Masonic Jewish communities would open their feasts of Purim to the public. Huh. A local or personal Purim. Brother French, they still do that. This isn't like 4,000-year-old article. Israel, annually they celebrate. Personally, in their home, dad leads, mom leads. And occasionally they open it up to the community. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm simply saying that all of us have a Purim of celebration. A feast of Purims, a personal one. And we need to find the old funny-looking grogger and realize the value as God descends down upon our situations, our reports, our valleys, our darkness, our despair, with a host of ministering angels singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. What are you doing? This is how I fight my battles. This works for me. And this is how I process my setbacks. This is how I process my hurts. This is how I... Because I've come to win. And right now, I'm in my home field advantage, my stadium. And the Spirit of God is echoing through the hearts of His people. It's momentum. In the sports world, they call it mojo. We're rolling, man. Come on. We're going to march down and score. I hear the Chiefs' kingdom chanting, Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs. And the field walks, team walks on the field, and effortlessly they march down 80 yards, 90 yards. Hey, let me do this. Okay, I got, I got to close. We've got another service coming, but I got to close. Listen to me. As a pastor, in the same way the Jewish people would open to the community occasionally a public invitation to the Feast of Purims or a personal celebration, I want to open the altars in a symbolic way that I invite you down to our celebration in our own stadium, in our own home, where the power of God is so concentrated and dense that I can barely get my hands up. I go to grab my grogger, and I can, before I can even spin it, I feel an anointing touch in my life. I feel a word of comfort. I feel a word of 
of encouragement. Why? Because it's in the atmosphere. I'm in the Holy of Holies. We're going to leave in a little bit. We're going to go out. We're not in the Holy of Holies. But this is how I fought my battles. Let me pray for us. I'm going to open the altars. Heavenly Father, I pray the spoken word this morning would resonate and penetrate into a situation, God, that is looming with despair and darkness, and they will find their grogger somewhere. And they will reach down and think about the powerful healing virtue miracle that you bestowed upon them sometime in the past. And we are in our home stadium today, God, and we win, and the noise is deafening against the enemy, against the darkness, against the reports, against the family members, against the job, against the finances, against the relationships. The Spirit of God is deafening those voices, and I'm in a good spot right now, God, and I'm going to lean into this with my grogger, and I'm going to believe and worship you, God. Let that Spirit be upon every one of us as you open the altars this morning. In your name I pray, would you come, my friend? Oh, come on, this is how I fight my battles. Like this? No. I'm in my own stadium, man. Hey, it doesn't get more spiritual than this. It doesn't get more powerful than this. I'm around God's people. I got Brother John on the keyboard, Brother Mark singing into my spirit. Come on, I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh touch from God. I need to hear the voice of God. I need a good report. I got to climb a mountain this week. I got to push through dark. Hey, come on, let's make some noise. This is how I fight my battles. Hey. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my Come on. battles. We win. This is how I fight my battles. Come on. We're deafening the voice of the enemy. We're deafening the voice of opposition. We're deafening the voice of darkness. Hey! It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm Oh no, I'm surrounded by the presence of God and the people of God. Hey, this is how I fight. This is how I win. This is how I overcome. Hey.